98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. The headlines. Police end their 12-day siege of the Polytechnic University. The General Chamber of Commerce slams the US over its legislation on Hong Kong. And students gather in Central as part of a global climate protest. Police have ended their siege of the Polytechnic University after removing dangerous items and gathering evidence. Assistant Police Commissioner Chow Yat-ming said a team of officers and firemen had seized a further 280 petrol bombs, over 300 canisters of cassette gas, 28 bottles of chemical and some weapons this morning. Yesterday, they removed almost 4,000 petrol bombs from the campus where violent clashes broke out between police and anti-government protesters 12 days ago. Mr Charles says they didn't encounter any protesters during their work. We didn't find anyone. We didn't encounter anyone uh, remain. And so uh, no arrest, no arrest. And I have to one more time uh, emphasize that our operations, uh, our objectives are twofold. And it's not about arrest. It's not about arrest. It's all about the dangerous items and the scene of crime. PolyU has called on students, teachers and members of the public not to enter the campus for the time being while it undertakes repairs and makes sure it's safe. The university says the campus will remain closed pending comprehensive checks. Our reporter Jimmy Choi is one of the first to enter the Polytechnic University campus after the siege ended. He joins us now. Hello, Jimmy. Hi, Sean. So police have ended their 13-day siege um, of the university in a very low-profile fallout. Um, the police guarding the campus gradually walked off uh, after around 11.30, and I started seeing people casually walking near the campus after that. Um, the university, which is quite modern-looking now, looks really very much like a ghost town, and the devastation here is quite severe. Um, I can see debris and rubbish uh, strewn all over the campus, and there are very clear traces of fierce battles between the police and protesters uh, about two weeks ago. Uh, items such as, you know, shattered glasses, umbrellas, masks, water bottles and helmets are littered everywhere in the campus. And there are also many graffiti um, uh, written and spray painted on walls and floors across the university. But um, there's no sign that there's any uh, protester remaining here. And I haven't seen anyone uh, who remotely resembles like a like a protester. And most people here are just journalists. And also there are a few people who, who came inside uh, to check out how the university looks like. And just earlier ago, I talked to a woman who came to the university after learning that the police uh, were uh, pulling out. And she told me that she was really shocked and disheartened to see the devastation here. And, and she said seeing the damage with her own eyes, uh, it suddenly reminded her so clearly what happened just almost two weeks ago when the violent clashes broke out. And she said if there's anyone inside a campus, she hoped that they could now go home safely. That's Jimmy Choi. The chairman of the Hong Kong General Chamber of Commerce has accused President Trump of using the SAR as a pawn in Sino-US trade negotiations. Aaron Harilela was commenting after Mr Trump signed into law the Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act, which allows for sanctions on officials accused of rights abuses and requires an annual review of Hong Kong's special trade status. Mr Harilela said Hong Kong's trade privileges from Washington could change temporarily, but he's confident the SAR can keep its edge in the long run. 
Business never likes uncertainty. You need to plan for the future. And this bill uh, creates a little bit of uncertainty in Hong Kong. But as I said, if we just keep to our fundamentals, common law is important. Uh, the independence of the judiciary is important. Uh, and our spirit, the Hong Kong spirit, is very important. Uh, the work people here in, in Hong Kong are very, very talented. And that really gives us the leading edge over many other cities. A pro-establishment lawmaker expressed concern that other countries might follow the United States' lead and consider sanctions on officials here over alleged rights abuses. But Felix Chung, the leader of the Liberal Party, says he believes most countries value their business links with the mainland. He warned anti-government protesters here not to place too much trust in the United States, saying it has its own interests at heart. I don't think the other country will exactly follow what the United States are doing because uh, they have to protect or do some calculation on what their interest is. A very good example is the Huawei 5G. I mean, United States make a very heavy sanctions on, on Huawei 5G and try to convince their allies to follow the same way. But, you know, a lot of the other Western world, just like United Kingdom and Germany, they, they don't listen and still work with the Huawei on the 3G technology in the country. Students are gathering in Central for a protest to demand action on climate change as part of a global event. Organisers say they expect around 200 people to turn up before marching to government headquarters. Ewan Windybank says the government's response into climate strike in March has been unsatisfactory, but talks with lawmakers have yielded results. So far, uh, there's been a lot of talks. We've talked to quite a few legislators and they have given us a lot of suggestions. We've given them a lot of suggestions. And so far, it's just been a, a lot of back and forth. And they, uh, we have seen in the legislative meetings that they have been proposing our ideas, which we're very um, happy about because that means we are making a difference and we are make, uh, making them talk about it in legislature. Um, and hopefully, um, after today, we can continue these talks, uh, continue to show that people care about this situation in Hong Kong. Official figures show property prices fell for the fifth consecutive month in October amid the ongoing political unrest and Sino-US trade tensions. The Rating and Valuation Department said private home prices dropped by 1.3% last month, an improvement from the 1.7% fall in September. The prices of small flats under 430 square feet fell the most by an average of 1.6%. Overseas now, Sri Lanka's new president, Gotabaya Rajapaksa, is visiting India for his first foreign trip since taking office. He's expected to reassure Delhi that despite the island's close relationship with China, India's interests won't suffer. Here's the BBC's Jill McGivering. The symbolism speaks for itself. Less than two weeks after becoming president, Mr Rajapaksa has chosen Delhi for his first overseas visit. He's well known there. As Defence Secretary in the final stage of the Civil War, he was a frequent visitor. Although he and his brother, the former President Mahinda Rajapaksa, also gained a reputation for being pro-China, courting Beijing's investment in infrastructure and allowing Sri Lanka to become an important commercial and naval staging point for China. That raised hackles in Delhi. But since assuming office, President Rajapaksa has sounded a careful diplomatic note. He wants Sri Lanka to be a neutral country, he says. President Trump has made an unannounced trip to Afghanistan, telling US troops the Taliban wanted to agree to a ceasefire. He was speaking at Bagram Airfield to mark the American Thanksgiving holiday. The Taliban wants to make a deal. We'll see if they want to make a deal. It's got to be a real deal, but we'll see. But they want to make a deal. And they only want to make a deal because you're doing a great job. That's the only reason they want to make a deal. So I want to thank you, and I want to thank the Afghan soldiers for really... Uh, I've spoken to a lot of you today, and you say they're really fighting hard. I was very impressed with that, actually. So I want to thank you. 
In his first presidential trip to Afghanistan, Mr Trump also said Washington was substantially reducing troop numbers in the country but didn't provide details. The police commander in charge on the day of Britain's worst sporting disaster at the Hillsborough Football Stadium 30 years ago has been cleared of the gross negligence manslaughter of 95 Liverpool fans. The BBC's Judith Moritz was in court. David Duckenfield has now stood trial three times. Now, at the third time of asking, a jury has found he was not responsible and was unfairly singled out for prosecution. Mr Duckenfield did not dispute that he ordered the opening of a gate at Hillsborough to let fans in, or that he failed to close the tunnel to the terraces which were already full. But his defence argued that he didn't breach his duty and had been a target of blame for the disaster. Two weeks before the British general election, a row has broken up between the governing Conservative Party and the television network Channel 4 after it held a party leader's debate on climate change without any Conservative representation. The party leader, Boris Johnson, had said he wouldn't take part and instead, instead sent Cabinet Minister, whom Channel 4 refused to seat, saying the debate was for party leaders only. Here's the BBC's Roger Harabin. In previous elections, the environment has been present but hidden in the shadows. This year is very different, with the five leaders involved in the debate offering manifestos which take the environment very seriously indeed. The Conservatives' policies on the environment have been judged by campaigners to be the weakest among the main parties. So the other leaders were looking forward to debate green issues with Mr Johnson. In his absence, they took the chance to display policies from cutting carbon emissions through the economy to curbing airport growth and turning pasture land into forests. A row has broken up between two key NATO allies, France and Turkey, over policy on Syria. At a news conference in Paris, President Emmanuel Macron accused Turkey of endangering NATO actions against the Islamic State group with its military operation against Kurdish fighters in Syria. In response, Turkey accused him of sponsoring terrorism. Here's the BBC's Mike Sanders. President Macron has already called NATO brain dead. Now he's taken aim at the country with the alliance's second biggest army. He acknowledged that Turkey had suffered from terrorism, but he said Ankara couldn't expect solidarity from its NATO allies if it presented them with a military operation as a fait accompli. Turkey's foreign minister, Mevlut Cavusoglu hit back. He highlighted President Macron's meetings in Paris with Kurdish militia representatives, saying if he considered terrorists as allies, there was nothing more to add. He said President Macron did not have what it took to fill a leadership void in Europe. An Iraqi military commander who was sent to the southern city of Nasiriyah has been sacked after the security forces there killed at least 25 anti-government protesters. Here's the BBC's Alan Johnson. The commander, Jamil Shumari, was dispatched in Nasiriyah to restore order in the city, but within hours there were many dead and wounded, and the military chief was withdrawn. The authorities had opened fire as they cleared demonstrators from at least one bridge early in the morning. Clashes continued through the day, and a security force headquarters was set ablaze. The protesters, who've been on the streets across southern Iraq for weeks, are demanding the sweeping away of the entire political establishment. Researchers in Brazil say smoke from burning forests in the Amazon can intensify the melting of glaciers, threatening water supplies to millions. The scientists studied the movement of smoke particles and their effect on Andean, Andean glaciers. To business now, Hong Kong low-cost carrier Hong Kong Airlines says it will delay salary payments to some staff blaming the protests. It says November salaries for all staff except cabin crew and overseas employees will be delayed till December the 6th. 
Currencies, the US dollar is trading at 109.47 yen. The euro is 1 US dollar 10 cents. The pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 10 cents. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 26,366, 521 points down on the previous close. And now with the sports, here's Adam Chung. We start with American football. The Buffalo Bills brought tricks to Dallas and were rewarded with victory over the Cowboys on NFL's Thanksgiving special. John Brown became the first Buffalo receiver to throw a touchdown pass. His effort in the second quarter put the Bills ahead and they went on to win 26-15 on their first Thanksgiving appearance in 25 years. The Bills improved to 9-3. The New Orleans Saints improved to 10-2 after getting past the Atlanta Falcons 26-18. The Chicago Bears beat the Detroit Lions 24-20. On Sunday, the league-leading San Francisco 49ers pay a visit to the red-hot Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens have won seven in a row, including last week's demolition of the L.A. Rams. Here's a preview from RTHK's Ray Jovanovich. The San Francisco 49ers coming off a huge and impressive victory last weekend against the Green Bay Packers. They ran their record at 10 wins and one loss. They play in Baltimore against Lamar Jackson, one of the most exciting teams in the NFL, the Baltimore Ravens. He has five touchdown passes. I think the Ravens scored 45. They just rolled over the Rams. Remember, the Rams last year went to the NFC Championship game and then all the way to the Super Bowl. It's a very different team because against Baltimore, no chance. But the 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo, crushing Green Bay last week in a big test. This will be one of the greatest games of this NFL season. And as the playoffs loom a few weeks from now, we only have four weeks left in the season, you're going to have more and more of these really critical games as the season winds down. But what a great one to watch, 49ers-Ravens on Sunday. To football's Europa League, where Arsenal missed a chance to qualify for the knockout stage. They blew a lead at home and lost 2-1 to Germany's Eintracht Frankfurt. The BBC's Paul Serres reports. Arsenal have lost their Europa League group stage match against Eintracht Frankfurt. The Gunners took the lead in first half stoppage time through Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, but the visitors scored twice through Japanese international Daichi Kamada in the second half to move within a point of Arsenal at the top of Group F. Manchester United also lost their group stage match in the Europa League, going down 2-1 away at Kazakh champions Astana. They had already qualified for the knockout stages of the competition and took a young squad to Kazakhstan. Arsenal top Group F by just a point and will need a result in their final group game away to Standard Liège. Wolverhampton Wanderers, playing in the Europa League for the first time, are through to the last 32 after earning a point in a 3-3 draw with Braga. And finally, in cricket, New Zealand reached 173 for three at Stumps in their second test against England in Hamilton. New Zealand hoping to build on their victory in the first match and take the two-test series. And as you look at sports. And to end the news, the top stories once again. Police in their, 12, their siege of the Polytechnic University. The General Chamber of Commerce slams the US over its legislation on Hong Kong. And students gather in Central for a part of a global climate protest. The news from RTHK.
Good afternoon and welcome to the 123 Show. I'm Sadia Osmani. My thanks to James Ross for the morning brew. Some great music there. On the show today, we make our weekly journey to the holiday 